Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we build worlds based off the role of a 20-sided die. I'm Jordan. And I'm Cody. How's it going, Cody? Pretty good. It's uh it's going alright. You know, it's going it's going decent. Um how's it going with you? <laughs> like you're slowly falling apart. It's going. I just don't want to tell them how I really feel because life is crap right now, but it's going. No, it's just that I'm a little bit sleepy. I'm just like a tiny yeah, bit Yeah, I can tell by the fact that you're slouched down in your chair and just got a blink staring forward every now and then. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, I'm doing I'm doing all right. What have you been reading, watching, playing, doing recently? I mean, Damn, like, do we want to just do we want to just get into it? Do we want to just get into Fine. that I finished Ghost in the Shell? Yes, we finished Ghost in the Shell, Cody. It here's, was, what uh, I, here's what I have to say about it. Ghost of the Shell. It was bad. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was not a good show. Really bad. And I love, I like I told you, I keep seeing people online say, oh, it's really good. Oh, I loved it. It's, no. Even if it wasn't Ghost of the Shell and it was a standalone anime, haha, standalone, but it was standalone anime with different, like, original characters, all that, the structure of it was still bad. Yeah, it just, like, um, it tried to be, like, four different shows and none of them were that good. Which, having, like, little sub-stories inside of your larger plot is fine. Yeah, I don't I mean, have a problem that's like with a that. Story scene, that's how you get involved with characters, but none of theirs actually met anything. No, they didn't. Like, they just kind of, like, smoothed over all the characters into just kind of being the same person, which was boring. And then they stopped giving certain characters lines after a while. Like Saito, yeah. Boma, and Pazu after episode 6 had zero lines. And it was like the story <laughs> about getting the band back together was just like confusing and dumb. It was I think the word you're looking for is bad. <laughs> yeah. And and the fact that they had Clown and then just got rid of him halfway through and they're like Clown was a mistake. Bye Clown. And like, I wiped your is, memory. This whole this like I said, I think last time, closely knit team that's been working together for like 20 years, hire this random mercenary who can't think his way out of a cardboard box and is constantly making mistakes and then like fires him. It's like, but you should have never put him on the team in the first place because he was not qualified to be on the team. Yeah, it was a weird choice to have him at all. And I don't know, he it, it felt a little team. bit. He had it nothing it was like to the a show. Little... Sorry. Go on. Yeah, no, it's fine. Just, it's a little bit of a letdown to me almost when they just like came back and they're like, we're Sector 6 again. Nine. And we. Sector 9. Huh, oh, Sector 9 or whatever. And they're just like, we're uh, we're back. We're And we're just going to do the same thing again, except we're going to have like a weird, like, I hope of age girl obsessed with the old guy. Okay, I'll get to that in a second because that was I didn't like that. So first of all, they bring back the team and like they have this whole episode where like they're complaining about the budget. But as someone who knows Ghost of the Shell very well, and I just started reading the original manga, that is an exact plot point that happens every time. Be original. Well, and it's like so lazy. It's such a lazy plot point Be at this point. Original. That happened it didn't in the matter. Manga, that happened in standalone. Don't do it again. Well, and in both of those, like bureaucracy was a big part of those shows. That it was like half of it was them dealing with we're doing these weird cybercrime things and they're kind of the scapegoat for when stuff goes wrong. Yeah. You know? 
Like, oh, this cybercrime wasn't stopped. Sexter 9, what are you guys doing spending all this money and you have all these weird people working for you, you know? But in this one, it was just like a random plot point where they're like, we need double the money. And they didn't even put like a dollar value on it. They're just like, exactly. we need m- there, more there money. no point. And they like tried to be all bureaucratic like they do in the other like series. And they just didn't have the depth or the know-how to do it. And it sucked. Well, because there was only, like, three characters, it seemed like, because making another character model would be expensive. But there's just, like, the Prime Minister, and that is it. And every American is just Agent Smith. Like, he's just everyone. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's just, it was so, so dumb. So let's talk about um, Prin, the new character that they put in, the... Like you said, hopefully of age girl who has a creepy crush on the main character. So this, like, we talked about this kind of stuff on side characters a bit. But it's that whole thing is like, yes, we have this, like, empowered, like, very smart female character. She graduated, like, high school at this young age, graduated college at this young age, went to MIT, all this cool stuff. Intelligent character. But then we have to give her, like, this weird crush and also saying super creepy things to Bato like towards the yeah. end like I forget what the line is but it was pretty much like oh yeah it's like so it, it was something really weird like over the top yeah. like come sleep with me type thing and it's like no it was like uh I can't remember what it was it was like someone got their brain invaded and it was like you considered can invade to be ex- my brain or something it was something yeah, weird like-, like that and it's just like why do we have to do this why can't she just be a smart like, really smart female character without having this, like, weird Bato fetish. Because it wasn't even a crush. It was a fetish at that point. Well, and it's just, like, it, like, double doesn't make sense because they already have that relationship built in. Also, second, the thing is, they're like, oh, I'm a huge fan of Bato. That's why I joined the team. But Sector 9 is, like, highly under-the-rug secretive organization that no one's supposed to know about. So how did she have a huge fan and crush on Bato when she was never supposed to know about him in the first place? And the thing is, Bato, like, from her perspective, he is, like, an ex-Special Forces guy that became a cop. Who is... The Major is a cybernetic miracle... Who has superpowers and can turn invisible, although everyone can turn invisible now, but now, whatever. Now, for some reason, turn invisible without using tactical suits. Second, what? Y- yeah, they're just all invisible all the time, whatever. Ugh. But I'm like, why would she be obsessed with Bato? Bato's characteristic is, I act like a boring dad. But, but the other thing but is- But he's a strong man, and all women must go for the strong, nice but- men. That's All that's, that's what women are. do, Cody. That's what women do. So that, that, even though she's smart and intelligent, no, 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 no. We have to. All women fit into this mold of oh, big strong man have to crush and say creepy things to because that's how women act. Also, like, you guys not, can't tell I'm though, being sarcastic. <laughs> like the thing is, though, that would apply to basically everyone on the team. Yes, like Bato does the, not stand apart from anyone else. The character, like, okay, so for one thing, if they want to. The reason that they have someone obsessing over Bato is because he was a popular character. And so they now can they have to have like exposition to Bato, yes. Yeah. Um, but okay, if they want to have this thing where someone's flirting with Bato and he's weird about it, why don't you have the major do it? A lot of their relationship is kind of a vague will they won't they? And they would be on a level playing field. Like or- they would actually be a potential 
romantic couple like that would make sense because they've been friends for a long time. They're probably like one of the few people that they can see as an equal in the world, you know. Yeah. But no, just uh, Prin. like weird her, and she's like super anime, like everybody yeah. else like fits into this mold of realism, but she is no one else super anime. And the other thing too is, if you wanted to have her be obsessed with a guy character in the show, have her be obsessed with Togusa, whose whole purpose is kind of to be a little bit of a flirty playboy, like. The in like the personality guy, the person who they need to be like attractive and normal is Togusa. But he has not a mullet, Bato. Cody. But he has a mullet, so she can't but be attracted he has to a mullet. Co- okay, but at the time that was a cool mullet. Freaking Togusa had like a weird ponytail. I, I love how the Togusa still has the mullet, and this is like thirty. Like even in real life, this is thirty years after Ghost of the Shell was first written. No, almost forty years after Ghost of the Shell was first written, and then like. 30 years after the anime was first shown, and he still has that nasty mullet. I, I also like how, what's his, what's the guy that, um, he's, like, on the computer all the time. Ishikawa. And he's, Ishikawa. I like how, it, he's just, like, homeless guy. <laughs> I like, I liked him always, but, like, they just, so the only characters who actually had anything to do with the show in this were Ishikawa, Togusa, Bata, the Major. There was yeah. multiple other characters in this, but none of them had characterization or parts. Or, like I said, they stopped giving them lines. They literally would just show up and stand there and, like, nod their heads like, Ugh. like, yes, now this is what men do. We grunt and we walk off screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just. But I will it's say. It's just not how those people ever acted. <sighs> it's just that doesn't make any sense for them to suddenly be like this. I know, and I've tried to shut, I finished this like a week ago, and I've tried to shut this out of my head, but I will say the last two episodes, the episode with the school and like the final thing, like they were close to the realm of what actual Ghost and Shell was, like a very, like, like I told you earlier, like a very contained, very quiet investigation, like they're supposed to be detectives, they actually showed them in the last two episodes actually investigating something and i thought they were like nearly interesting they almost got there like like they they, like i was interested i'm like okay now we're getting there so this should have been the start of the show and then we get more intriguing towards the end but they literally just did nothing for 10 episodes then episodes 11 and 12 they're like oh yeah let's try a little bit harder i think that there was yeah i think you said this right that there was like maybe four episodes in this whole show Mm -hmm. um there's like you learn about the new humans. What are they called? Um, post humans. Post humans. Yes. Learn about the post humans. They go on a mission and take out one of the post humans. They find the kid. That it should have been four episodes long. Yeah. Or that like, could have been the first it. four episodes, and nothing else had to exist at all in well, this show. Or better yet, like when they started a story, they could have finished their story instead of just begging to have a sequel made. Because they just left it on another stupid, yeah, yeah. makes I no found sense out, cliffhanger. Like, before I finished it, that it got already ordered for two seasons. Like, well, be- and it's just like, no, stop, just stop. Like, make a story that is a story. You don't have to keep making these weird two-part, begging for more money stories, it which I guess people do, good. but it's disappointing. It just, it just wasn't good. Well, and it kind of killed the end for me because I'm just knowing like, that there's something else. Well, it's Coming. like Togusa gets in the back of a truck and disappears. And I'm like, sorry, spoilers, but. Eh, who cares? It was a bad I'm show. I'm just like, 
I kind of almost don't like how much power they gave to, like, the internet right away. Which, I mean, I guess, like, you could hack Togus's eye, like, um, Bato's eyes to make him not see Togusa anymore. Yeah. And so, but it, like- at some point, it just becomes so improbable, all this stuff that they can do. It's just... Like, anything. Anything is possible. There are literally no rules anymore. And it's just like, well, this doesn't feel very grounded. You can't have a mystery if there's no way to solve the mystery. Yeah. I don't I, I just... I I liked what they were trying to do. Like, like I liked that it was actually felt like an attempt to make an interesting story. But then it's like, okay, I'm going to have to sit through a whole nother season of 12 episodes where this probably won't like actually amount to something that matters yeah yeah right and that's that's the like crap because like the other ghost in the shell series like standalone um the laughing man um arc was really good and everything like was building up to this big confrontation with this government agency finding out who the laughing man was and we get like like, like, I really like what Ghost in the Shell does really well are small, quiet, contained episodes. The last episode is her confronting and talking to the Laughing Man in a library. Yeah. And that's all it is. There's no big action scene. There's no stuff that just doesn't make any sense. They're just having a conversation in a library. Yeah. And that's all. That That was like, that one episode was far more interesting than anything that happened in this entire series. Yeah, it was weird. It's just, I don't know. It was bad. It, it was barely should even have the same name at some point it should they should just stop doing this thing where we have to keep remaking and adding new stories and just start making new ideas or maybe yeah. set in a world and don't even have anything to do with those characters right just like, retire like a them. new se- a new section nine or maybe look at sector six or something or eight or seven or something else well it's just like i don't know or do so what different... psychopaths did psychopaths was amazing written by creators of ghost in the shell um appleseed and a couple others all came and made psychopaths and yeah that i was gonna was say oh amazing story doing some of the same ghost in the shelly type things but in a completely different way right it felt original they were playing with a different idea but it had the same quality yes which is why Psychopass was very good. Yeah, Psychopass was amazing. This uh, standalone, oh sorry, SAC, which we all know stands for Standalone Complex, SAC 2045 sucked. I just call it Sack in my head. It's Ghost in the Shell. Sack. We, as soon as I saw, I saw SAC 2045, like, so is this a Standalone Complex remake? No, no, it's supposed to be what happens like years after Standalone, but um, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's Don't just, waste your time. Yeah, that's our like what we're gonna say at the end of this. Don't waste, don't watch it. Go watch any other ghost of this show, even the Scarlet Johansson movie. Don't act, don't actually do that to yourself. Don't watch that. Don't no, watch, just don't watch the, the that. TLDR I mean, is far. watch original animes. Don't watch these watch remakes. Watch standalone. Watch Rise. Watch the original movie. Heck, even watch the second of the original movies. Like it's any of it is better than this. Even though they did yep. some weird stuff with like CGI graphics in the second movie, and it was like jarring at points, and like some of the animation was really like ooh, but it's still better than this crap. <laughs> yep, I agree. Anyway, Scotty, is there anything else that you want to comment on of things you've been doing, watching, reading, writing? Playing Darkest Dungeon, Darkest which looks Dungeon's really fun. cool. I just it's don't fun. think I can get into it right now, but it looks really cool. 
I it, it's it's a big chunk of time. It's like you can play 15 minutes at a time really easily, but you got to play a lot of 15 minutes to get to the end of the game. Did you end up restarting that game that you started when I was watching last week? No, the one I'm playing with you is still my current game. Okay, because <laughs> you got real messed up after that second round. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty brutal, but it it's a fun a, game. It, yeah, no, it looks really awesome. So yeah, check out Darkest Jun- Dungeon because it's definitely something I'm super interested in. But it's like I don't have the time or the like, I guess mental space to like add another thing into my brain. Yeah, I've been I played so Smite for like five minutes. Smite? Yeah. What is that? It's a MOBA. Oh, you know how I feel about MOBAs. There, <laughs> I mean. This one is third person, so you can't see the whole map, which is kind of an interesting change. Oh. Um, but I don't know. It's a little fan servicey, and by a little fan like like Terra I mean, fan servicey. Yeah. Is it worse than Terra? Um. Yeah, no, Terra's pretty bad, but Ter- it's still Terra was a bad. And that's Terra's the thing. Bad. Like I like. Uh, I don't know. I like games. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I like games like that, but I don't. <laughs> well, like I, I don't like know. Games. There's like fun parts of the games, and that's why like the skeevy parts feel so annoying because it's like, well, you like we're ninety percent there. Just don't be gross for a second. I don't know if I can really get into a MOBA. Um, it's one of those things I'm doing with a friend, oh, so it's like, oh, yeah, okay. okay, like I can for that sake, you know. Yeah. But uh, I guess I will say now since I haven't said it on the show, I beat Sekiro. The last boss is hard as heck. I will say everybody was like, oh, yeah, Sekiro was the hardest of the Souls games. I definitely didn't feel like that. I felt like the last boss, yes, was the hardest boss I've ever like played in a Souls game. But overall, Sekiro, I thought, was like in line with, if not slightly, for me personally, slightly easier because there's like the parrying stuff. But like, And you move a lot faster, so if you do really need to get away from the boss, you can literally just run away. Heal yeah. yourself, run back, which you can't do in Dark Souls. Not so like, much. It's t- it's tougher. Like literally in the last boss fight, it was um I would get my pair, but I would be in danger of getting parry broken and killed, and have my health low, and just run, run in a way where he would get stuck, like where he couldn't run straight at me without running into the rock first and having to go around. That gives me enough time to chug the juice and go back <laughs> at it. So it's like, yeah, I could just run or just keep running until he finally does an attack and run to the corner, do the, uh, do the healing gourd and then run back. Like, like you can't do that in Dark Souls. So like, yeah, there was, there was it's things like you about sometimes it. can, And also the rare. blocking, like your sword, your regular block blocks most damage except for like um, perilous strikes or heavy strikes. Like, well, that's nice. Your blocking does a lot more than it does in Souls. So, like, if you want, you can block most things or try to parry most things. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I personally thought it was easier. But that's yeah, I mean, that is definitely, I don't know, especially in right now, Dark Souls 3, is there's like so many of the enemies end up just swinging through your shield. Yep. It feels like useless half the time. It's like, well, why do you even give me a shield if it's junk? Like, like there, there was one boss. Where he comes out, he does like a bunch of swings, and you literally, if you time it right, click, 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 parry, 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 you can get his parry break all the way up and just deal a death blow right away. Like, you don't have, <laughs> like, it's like, ding, 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 stab, done. 
<laughs> that's like all that boss is. It's like okay, like that's like I also I loved the um aesthetic. I love feudal Japan stuff and like all the Japanese mythology and lore was like really heavy in the game and that's one of the reasons why I haven't been able to go back to Bloodborne just cuz I don't care about Lovecraft. Yeah. Well, maybe you shouldn't play Darkest Dungeon then. I don't know. Bloodborne. See, Bloodborne is overly Lovecraft, though. Darkest Dungeon's pretty Lovecraft. I, I don't know. From what I saw of Darkest Dungeon, it didn't, like, eye-roll me as much as Bloodborne did. That's fair. But anywho, um, I'm ready to get into the show. It's going to be a long one, bud. I. <laughs> like I said, I, I wrote two pages ready, yeah. just on the first part. Yeah, well, mine, I didn't, so. So, Cody, <laughs> I mean, I know you're not going to get it, but what was last week? Oh, shoot. What this was, was, was a really easy one. We laughed a bunch. We made fun of a certain Oh, it was it Flavortown, right? Yeah. yeah. Which, as soon as I released that episode, there's like all this news about how Guy Fieri is such a great guy with like safe, um, raising $23 million for restaurants, for the restaurant industry right now. So it's like, okay, yes, I get it. He's a great guy, but he's great to make fun of because he is a character. Yeah, I'm just saying. I got no ill will for yeah, Guy like, Fieri. Yeah, I'm not, it's like, I don't dislike Guy Fieri. I just think he is a goofy, just, he's a character, like I said in the last episode, a character of a human. <laughs> yes, I was talking to someone yesterday about the idea of just, like, you know, never punch down. Like, yeah. I don't feel like I'm punching down when I make fun of Guy Fieri. No, no. <laughs> like, he, he could buy and sell my whole life. I, I, I think I'm allowed to make fun of him. Yeah, he makes more money in a minute than I make in a week. So... Yeah. There's nothing I can do to him. <laughs> I think he's met Snoop Dogg. I, I think he's. I think I'm allowed to make fun is, of is him. Is that like? Is that your like definition of fame? You've met Snoop Dogg, so you're like you've made it. That's what yeah. you, know you made it if you met Snoop Dogg. I think when you look like Guy Fieri and you've met Snoop Dogg, it's like you're pretty famous. <laughs> <laughs> you look like. I really wonder like what Snoop Dogg's internal thoughts were meeting Guy Fieri. It's just like, huh. Okay. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I do want a cheeseburger. It's like, oh, okay, man, you, you do whatever. <laughs> but anyways, what is this week, Cody? Um, This week is Winter Wonderland, and I got real weird with it. Um, I went way too detailed fantasy world like I usually do. This is not convoluted. I... I'm calling this detail because I don't think you'll be the judge. I don't think it was convoluted. I think it's deep. Sometimes I just write down my fever dreams and then come and read them to you. Some, I mean, I also have done that to you before, and, <laughs> and you can tell everybody knows which worlds those were. <laughs> so, like, I thought Flavor Town was real strong. Yeah, for me, like I, I thought I, I that really was liked good. Flavor Town. I liked your recipes and stuff that you did with it. So this one is maybe gonna not be like that, and it's gonna instead be a fever dream nightmare. Can I tell you my original plan for this, though? Uh, hold on. Once we roll initiative, I will say for mine, you're going to hear me say this and just be like, I'm back. I'm back, guys. <laughs> back and writing way too much for a podcast that's supposed to be an hour long. Woo! Yeah, we're already at, we're already at 24 minutes. All right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What do you roll? I rolled low. Well, actually, I rolled I, right down the middle. I rolled a seven. I rolled a 10. Damn it. Hey, I mean, look sorry. at you. I rolled a 10. Darn. <laughs> So anyways, what was your original idea? My original idea, and this is kind of in there, but just not as much, as it was going to be about the different versions of Santa Claus um, killing each other. Okay. And that's kind of what I wrote, but then it just got weirder. <laughs> but just so, know that the original seed was, 
I wanted to, this to be about like different types of like Coca-Cola Santa Claus, German Santa Claus, Black Santa. just like duking it out, huh? Black Santa is Black Santa in there. I really wanted to like part of the reason I didn't go with that is I was like I really want to put Black Santa in, but, you but don't I feel don't like know you how. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I, I was like touch on Black going Santa. to text you like, okay, Jordan, I want to make a fight between different Santa Clauses, and I want to include Black Santa, but I don't know how to make jokes about. There's that. there's there's something I need to ask you about later. Like, is this racist? Because it's like I'm unaffected by it, but I know other black people might be affected by it, so I'll ask you about it later. <laughs> We're gonna cut that part <laughs> out. So for the audience, we just went down a road where I explained something that happens in Locking Key, just to see if it was racist or not, because I personally didn't think so. But whatever, we don't have to talk about it on this show. Skin key, look it up. <laughs> so, for my world, so we did Winter Wonder World was the prompt. I did Winter World. That was what I decided to do. I'm there's calling this a yellow card. No, there's wonders in this Winter World, but I just really wanted to make another like detailed fantasy world set in winter. Sounds a lot like a yellow. Yeah, card Yeah, it might to be. Me. A ye- well, who cares at this point? At any point, does any of your characters sing "Rockin' Round the Christmas See, Tree"? See, but that's the thing: is Rockin winter doesn't mean Christmas. Christmas tree. That's true. I also picked up on that. <laughs> F you, man. <laughs> what was that? Um, uh, that's double standards. Screw you. It's like pretty much what you just said. It's like thank you, Cody. Yeah, I mean, look, I I didn't say I was fair. I just want to be right. There's a difference. <laughs> Okay, okay, let's get to it. This is a this is a long one and I'm sorry. Just read really fast and mess up a I lot. I always read fine. really fast and mess up a lot, so I'm not gonna do that. This comes well, this story is Alexei and the Palace of Ice and comes from Alexei of the White Snow, Alishar Chief. Just imagine our whole audience naked. Like so imagine like the water <laughs> anyways. Uh, anyways. I have fun. Yeah, we have two fans. <laughs> we have more than that. I know we have more than that. All right. The world didn't end. It just changed from one form to another. Era after era, the world has changed. This is just a new one. The era of snow. In me, I have the knowledge of every generation that came before me, passed down through the spirit of Elash. I am the chief of the Alashar, the holder of the histories, and the one who will lead our people during this new era. The role has been passed down to me by my mentor, and by her mentor before her and his before him. I shall tell you, children, the history of our world. Long ago, before the ice and snow, there were four clans that inhabited this land. The Sunja to the south, the Waiman to the west, the Nar to the east, and our people, the Alashar, inhabited the north. The four clans of, the, of people held on to the thin bound of peace between them, but the Nar wanted more. They sought to gain more land and thus more power. Through the Nar spirit walkers, they formed powerful bonds with the magic of the ground and sought to push the other three clans from the land. With this power, they advanced their tools and technology and were able to gain the upper hand in the war they waged. The Nar brought up water from the ground and separated their land from the others, casting a boundary between them and the other clans. The Waimen were the first to surrender their land and leave. They took the mountainous region to the west and created their homes in the rocky faces. The Sunja soon left for the south, for the south coast, to make their homes along the beaches. The warm air was encouraging to them, and they learned to sail along the water, building up their seaside clan. We of the Alishar left to take the lands of the north. 
There, we lived amongst the frigid tundra and the sloped hills. It was cold, but we adapted. We wore coats of animal furs to endure the cutting winds and the biting cold. I am going to have to zoom in a bit because my vision's starting to blur a bit. For the fans, I am technically supposed to wear glasses. Guess who doesn't wear glasses? This guy. <laughs> the Nars soon took over the plains in the low center point of the land and built up their kingdom. With their magic and technology, they were able to build quickly, constructing impenetrable walls around what they called home. They dug trenches of water to keep the other clans out, severing the loose bond that we all had. From the outside, our people watched as their cities grew, their castles and towers scraping the heavens. The leaders of the Nar took that position for life. Only the royal family could rule their people. We of the Alishar found this weird as we pick our leaders based on their abilities to lead rather than their birth. But the Nar rejected the beliefs of others, believing their beliefs to be right. They looked upon the other clans as savages. But the Alishar spirit walkers sensed something coming, something that would threaten to change this world forever. The winter ages were growing longer, and soon the whole world would be covered in a frigid cold. It started up slowly in the north, but the snow began, and there was no end in sight. The cold winds cut the cut through the rest of the lands, and even the Sunja, who lived in the south, felt the change of weather. The chief Lucia of the Sun, with knowledge of the changing era, sent Alishar peacemakers to the other lands to help them prepare for the never-ending winter. See, it's a winter wonder world. The Nar rejected this, saying that the spirit walkers were wrong, and the Nar would solve the cold in their own way. They sent the Alishar peacemakers away and continued to live their lives as if the impending winter was not coming. But soon their crops froze and their people grew sick. The sky grayed above them and the snow wouldn't stop falling. The Nar spirit walkers told their king, Amon Lila, that they, would, that they could solve this problem with the magics of the spirits. So they worked on spells, glyphs, and runes, shooting endless streams of magic into the sky. But this only advanced the cold in the Nar kingdom. Ice fell down from the heavens, freezing the kingdom, and the snow gently buried their people alive. From everything we know, not one of the Nar survived. Now where the Nar once were is a frozen, twisted landscape of jagged ice. In the sky above the land hangs thick ice crystals, reflecting beams of light from the sun above it. It is a beautiful display, a leftover effect from their magics. But despite the beauty, no one enters those lands for fear that they are cursed. The Wymen, on the other hand, believed us, but said their people could handle their own issues. The Wymen are a very private clan that believes in their own inner strength. To accept the help of others is to believe that they are weak. Instead of escaping to the top of the mountains, they escaped to the lowest points of the valleys. When the snow came to bury them, Wyman chief Solanus instructed his people to dig underneath, creating their homes in the snow. Under the buried valley, the home of the Wyman is a maze of tunnels and paths making up a city. Those people remain secretive about their home, about their homeland, and seldomly accept visitors to this day following the belief in their own inner strength. But the Alishar chiefs before me, who have entered their lands, have said the underground ice palace is a sight to behold. The Sunja, unlike the Nar, accepted the help, and unlike the Wyman who had a plan, they were fearful of the approaching winter. Since the alliance between the Sunja and the Alishar is strong, Chief Lucia of the Sun supported Chief Quiet Echo of the South. The Alishar would teach the Sunja to brave the cold, give them skins and furs to keep them warm. We would teach them how to waterproof their homes and survive as we have for so many years. The Sunja offered food and materials in return. 
The lands are at peace. We accept the Sunja people as our own. But when winter came for them, it was less harsh than the other areas. The warm air from their ocean protected them from the cutting hold. They thank one of their gods, Lamia, for this. The land froze, of course, but it was bearable for our warm-weathered friends. Glaciers formed in the water around their village, and the once-warm beach is now a tundra. But the Sunja are thankful for our help, as they believe they would not have survived without us. In the north, the lands of the Alishar, the snow finally stopped falling after many years. You must bundle up tightly to even go outside the huts. We hunt the beasts of the north for food and furs, using every part of the animals, animals to survive the cold. Our once hilly lands are now flat because of the sheer amount of snowfall. If you walk into the wrong areas, you can be swallowed up by the snow. After the snowfall, the Alishar land seekers discovered a way to mark the snowy pitfalls using different colored rods they jammed down into the snow. The different colors designate the death. Red is an area that will swallow you whole if you try to traverse it, while green means the area is flat and safe. The different colors in between vary with the depth of snow. Some areas you can bear, while others are too dangerous. We have our, we have our small encampments all over the former hills, but together we live strong as the Alishar people always have. I, Alexei of the White Snow, was chosen as chief years ago, and I promise that I will lead our people as the chiefs before me once did. And that's my first part. Like I it's said, like an entire world shop. <laughs> not necessarily convoluted, just very detailed. So what I tried to do was explain like the different areas that this tribes lived in, well, clans lived in, but I also didn't want to just be like, oh, down south you have this, west and east you have this, and north you have this. I wanted to like give kind of the background of why these areas formed the way you, they formed. You did literally an entire world shop in section in, one. In section one, yeah, and guess what? There's more to come because the sections don't get shorter. <laughs> they you, stay you about a, the same. <laughs> I'm really all, proud all of right. this world. I tried to be as detailed as humanly possible. All right, you ready? Y'all ready for this, Brandon? Every yeah. time. Every time. Okay, I'm ready. It's a snowy plane of existence, a plane of thought, not of Christmas wishes and jingle bells, <laughs> but a plane of true winter. The cold heart that gnaws and gnashes, and the slashing cold. A dark place, but also a place of hearth and homes and warmth and family meals. This is a place of metaphors. Not that, it, not that that means that in this winteriest of wonderlands, those metaphors do not take shape and form to... You okay, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> oh, to inform the wonders of winter. Sorry, I just needed. I misspelled okay. a word really badly. Yeah, no, I've done that before. It was like the. It was a word, but it was not the right word. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I've definitely done that before. <laughs> the profound awe that life is but a small, burning, cold, and flickering flame in a bitter breeze. But that is how life dances, even more, ever more dangerous, ever closer to a puff that chokes out that cool light. We remember that when we stare into the swirling white snow-soaked air from the top of a frozen mountain. We feel that dropping realization that no matter how large we become, we are still so small. 
<laughs> we remember that in the endless, obscured, silent wood when we hear the haunting, ghoulish screech of a wolf's howl. And we especially remember it by our own fires, hoping that what we have here will last through the endless cold to see another spring. We yearn for the relief of warm air and the unguarded door, but in the winter wonderland, the sublime of endless cold nights will always last. This is a place of wonders and not comfort. A place of metaphors, not just life. Darkening skies and bright white snow paint a monochromatic and polarized world. A place without boundary and exactly as big as it needs to be. This is a land that is more thought than physics, and each change of winter marks a change in the lands around. Okay, so my idea here is that Winter Wonderland is literally a metaphorical place spawned by our perception of what winter means. Oh, I like, see, I like that. What so, I was hoping you were like, this is a place of winter and nightmares is what I thought you were going to say at that one part, but you didn't. And I was It sad. kind of is like the idea is that, um, uh, so like this is supposed to very much be about like sublime horror in a way. So yeah, I love sublime horror. <laughs> That idea of standing on the top of a snowy mountain is terrifying because it makes you so small. Yeah, life um, is terrifying because it makes you so small. <laughs> but it's also <laughs> wonderful in that it inspires wonder. Like, um, Yeah, life is not wonderful. It only inspires wonder. Well, uh, no, I, I mean that... Yeah, I, um, I mean, that's what I mean. I'm not saying that's what you mean. Well, there's there's a distinction in language, I guess. Like, something that is awe-inspiring is not necessarily yeah. good. Like, when you say something that's awesome isn't, like, yeah, it's awe-inspired. Yes, I, right. I got you. Um, and that's kind of where I went with Wonderland, where it's like, this inspires... but not wonderful. Yeah, it's not like, oh, yay, joy, and ha it's like, this is profound awe at nature and what comes with it, so... That's totally that what I was doing, too. Yeah. That's what my geography is. Yeah, no, I like it. There's lots of snow piles. Yeah, basically, there's giant snowy mountains and cold forests, okay, and it's, so it's a winter wonderland. In your original idea of all the Santas fighting each other, does Krampus technically come in there? Because he's not necessarily Santa Claus, but he is, like, anti-Claus. He's not anti-Claus. He's a... Yeah, uh, you know what I mean, though. He's well, like, I mean, he's, he's like a... He's a well. It depends on how you want to look at the origin. He's the, he's the Christmas boogeyman. Yeah, I mean, like originally, Krampus was just like uh, it was scary outside, and parents were like, "A monster is going to come and eat you if you don't go to bed." Because you know, I mean, um, that is kids actually are annoying. true. You, if you if kids go outside by themselves, they will probably die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just a fact of life. Well, and it was back then because they'd get eaten by a wolf or yeah, something. Yeah, a, a coyote would nab them. It's like, right. Yeah, no. um, so, but then, like, as, like, mythology around Santa Claus came about it, he just became, like, the, the, the coal flip side. You know what I mean? If you're bad and get coal, it's, you know, you're, you're bad and you get Krampus and he's going to, like, eat your face. So, you know. But, yes, yeah. Krampus is in my story, just not yet. Okay, cool. Anyways, flora and fauna. Even though how can you even make this that long, Cody? Because I'm creative, and I'm like I said, detail. 
I the last like five worlds I've done haven't had detail. They all just been like, oh, then Guy Fieri rides in his convertible on Oreos. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, and then a giant dragon overlord marries a southern woman. <laughs> oh, cool. No, I wanted to have details. And I also miss using my southern voice now that I bring up southern ladies. I love I love the southern accent. Anyways, flora and fauna. With the changing of eras, not only did the land that the clans inhabited change, but the life in the land changed as well. Of the animals, those who could not survive the cold died out while others adapted. Elk, moose, bears, snowcats, and other mammals survived in the north while the cold-blooded animals died. The Alishar people hunt thick-furred animals for their skins to survive the cold weather. The elk and other small, smaller animals are used for food. Antlers and horns are used to fashion weapons or used as decorations. The stomachs of animals are used as water sacks. We even heat these sacks to use for warmth on long journeys. Every part of the animal finds its use. What? They make hot air bladders to keep them warm on long journeys. Yeah, why not? Okay, I mean, I was just checking. I mean, like, why not? I'm just asking. I just didn't Our people I just wanted to make sure also I treat animals as pets and use them for travel. But as far as our relationship with the southern Sunja clan, oh my gosh, we trade leather and furs. Down south, it is a bit warmer. They live on the coast, and the fresh air brings in many fish and birds. The seals like to hunt the fish, and the Sunja hunt the seals. They harvest the seal blubber for oil, wax, soap, and many other uses. We trade for those oils and the fresh fish that the Sunja pick up. The Sunja use the glaciers as ice stores to keep their food cold and fresh. But recently, due to the leadership of flowing river and deep snow, the Sunja have been building up boats from the mighty cedar trees we provide for them to travel out further into the ocean. They have been able to bring in bigger catches safely with their sailboats. Our clans benefit each other, but then there is the Wyman. Or I guess I should be, there are the Wyman. Anyways. The Wyman keep to themselves down in their ice caves. We don't hear from them often and don't necessarily know how they sustain life down there. Other than that they are doing perfectly fine. We have very little interaction with their people, but they are peaceful to our clan. In the past, they only fought when provoked. They don't believe in alliances, nor do they accept help from others. Inner strength is what the Wyman believe and the Alishar and Sunja must respect that. But with recent events, I fear that soon we must all depend on each other. Alishar landseekers have brought back disturbing sightings to me recently. They have seen new creatures arising from that twisted pit of ice that used to be the land of the Nar. The Nar shut us out and their land was destroyed. The snow has completely taken over that area and around the perimeter is a crown of ice. The chiefs before me have forbidden going into that land as they believe it to be cursed. Even without a curse, the land is very dangerous. The air is somehow colder around the ice pit, and the slick, twisted ice spikes make traversing that area very difficult. Those who have been greedy and have sought out treasures left behind by the Nar have never returned to our lands unscathed. But now something is happening. The creatures that the landseekers have spotted are wreaking havoc in the land. They are blue and crystalline in nature, and, and according to the Landseekers, very hostile. They have attacked our people on sight, and we have lost some very brave people. The Sunja have also seen these creatures down in their coastal tundra. It is like they are scouting the land. Something must be done about these creatures before things get out of hand. And that is my second part. 
Okay. Detail. That was was fine. That was fine? That was fine? I just, I thought it was going to be like a lot, a lot more. You know, you're right. It isn't, it isn't overly complicated. It's fine. I I feel like I'm being judged for not being overly complicated for once. Yeah, I mean a little bit. I just wanted detail. I didn't want to like confuse. I just wanted to be. I no, was good. To be special. It's good. All right. No. You want to? You want to? Ready to hear my weird crap? <laughs> yep. Of course I am. <laughs> okay. Kings rise without need or requirement. The Winter Wonderland is no exception. There are all manner of creatures, from the fuzziest puffin to the narwhal to the I ice wolf. Puffins are so cute. I'm sorry. Puffins get eat at in this world, Jordan. Puffins get at. Yeah, dude, of course they do. Fry them up. Anyways. But the greatest of them, their king, their lord and ruler, is the Krampus. The iconic king of all the other winter beasts. His rule, he rules his lands and his subjects, fair and cruel alike. He is a fae or mythic beast or some such natural and magical creature. That means he follows his own rules, and those rules are as hard as the iron cuffs that clamp onto his bloody matted fur. So if you are in the winter forest alone, wait and quake and pay homage to the Krampus, the lord of all winter creatures. Winter may be seen generally as a time without plant life, but nothing is further from the truth. Helleborn and Snowdrop, Witch Hazel and Jasmine, and above all of these, the mighty pine. Oh, the pines, a mighty beast in its own way, roots that can grow and twist, barks hard and sharp like cracking whips, or branches, sorry, hard and sharp as like cracking whips. These trees must be hard and mean to survive the winter nights, yet we still hew them down in their youthful prime to adorn our homes. The corpses of nature, partially animated with sips of tepid water, remind us folk that humans conquered nature with shelter and fire. Do you have something against Christmas trees? No, Is no, it's just right here. It's like you got something against Christmas trees. I just started writing, and this is oh, what came yeah. out. You discovery wrote your way into hating on Christmas trees. Um, no, I actually I like all natural Christmas trees. Um, random aside, <laughs> they cut them down and they make them drink only small sips of water. Those cursed humans and their rituals. When I, when I was like. 15 my dad decided we were gonna plant like a million trees in our yard and so some of those were like pine trees that we could cut down and use as christmas trees as they were like growing but then we just still have like 300 trees in our yard that we planted (laughs) so i was like i've uh you know i've always had trees around i've planted them a lot so i'm like you know it's affectionate oh my gosh dude um but yeah that's my section on on animals they animals and Plants exist as they exist in our world, um, but again, it's like the presence of a wintry thing means its presence in the winter wonderland. Okay. So they're ruled by the pine and the Krampus. Yes. Obviously. I I, I understood that, Goody. Yours just making sure. Either. No, it's just Where weird. Why would you it's make an weird. esoteric world and then like got mad at me because I didn't understand it because it didn't make sense? I'm sorry. Are you saying I did that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait. 
My worlds are so simple a baby could understand them. You're the one that goes bonkers. Don't even play this game with me. Do you remember that time there were like paths of light leading to other paths of That's light? That's what I was and, talking like, about being a fever dream earlier, actually. That's exactly what I was talking about. orbs spawn levels of creative endeavor and all Dude, this okay first stuff. of all i'm like you don't even know how proud i am that you still remember that one like you actually were pretty close to what it actually was like you usually don't do that so i congratulate you that's because that. that one was impossible that one was memorable <laughs> that that one yeah like you're really weird esoteric one where like where they were making lamb but like they weren't using magic like what in the world was that? I don't know what you're talking about. They got about. so I don't smart that, that yeah, I have to I have to dig that episode up. It made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. look, look, we we don't we don't we're not we're not batting a thousand here, all right? We are. <laughs> we absolutely are. Okay, so here's my society history. Yet again, another really long part, and I apologize. Like all things, the four clans started from nothing. People came into existence and then realized it was better to work together than to be apart. They soon, sorry, they were soon guided by those who held a special connection to the spirits of the land. The others began calling these the spirit walkers. Pause really quick. I realized I don't have God hating people in this. Proud of myself. <laughs> anyway, the spirit walkers helped guide the people, teaching them the ways of the land and how to harness the magics that lived in the soul of the planet. The people of the north called this planet's soul Elash, while the people who gather in the south follow many gods including Lamia, the god of the ocean, Soon, the god of the sky, and Aja, the god of the ground. The mountain people follow Wailina, and the people who would become the Nar follow Nal, the god of nothing and the god of everything. The spirit walkers could utilize the magics of the gods to their full extent, while others could only perform small miracles such as starting a fire. Soon, even with the guidance of the spirit walkers, the people sought out someone who could guide them. Someone who stood out amongst the others and could lead the people. Someone to make the hard decisions. Someone who could help grow this group of people into something great. And someone who could bring justice to those who tried to harm the group. The spirit walkers took it amongst themselves to find someone who could lead the people. In the north, they found her, Jacqueline of the Calm Wind. Her presence was strong as fire, but her demeanor was calm as a gentle breeze. She exhibited the strength of a bear, curiosity of a child, and the undying, and undying kindness and fairness. The northern spirit walkers believed that she had everything necessary to lead the people of the north. She named these people Al-Ashar, the people who follow Alash. In the south, the Sunja were established by the spirit walker Falling Star, an explorer whose nomadic lifestyle and curious ways helped the rest of the Sunja, cl Sunja clan claim as much of the south as possible. The Wyman were founded by Roke, whose strong independence and unwavering strength taught them that one must depend on his own will to survive. Though we joke that his strength led to the utter stubbornness of the Wyman. And lastly, Nar spirit walkers united the people under the Lila family. The leaders of the four clans were the first of the chiefs and would start a long legacy across the entire world. This was what our people believed was the first era, an era of peace through separation. The spirit walkers knew that these new leaders would not last forever. No life is eternal, so they sought a way to pick the successors. The Sunja, Wyman, and Alishar, though they never interacted with each other previously, followed the same thought. 
The new leader must be someone who exhibited the same traits as the former leader. Someone who was strong and could guide, but was willing to listen to the former leader and the needs of the people. So they scouted from the youngest generation one who would grow into the new leader. This person would train under the current chief for years until it was time to take over the position. Sometimes multiple successors were raised. When time for the successor to take charge, they would compete in a trial that tested their strength, their mind, their judgment, and their compassion. The winner of this would become the new chief. If someone wanted to challenge the chief, whether believing that chief led the clan astray or believing that their leadership could guide the clan better, they would first have to gain the support of at least two-thirds of the spirit walkers, and then they would have another trial to test the challenger's will against the chiefs. With every new chief, the spirit walkers use their powers to pass on the history from one chief to another. That way, the new chief knows of all the stories that have existed before him and would learn from the trials that the former chief lived through. These are the ways that our people have passed the torch of leadership. As far as it goes for the selected spirit walkers, those with a deep connection to Alishar are trained from birth to guide the magics of the clan. They follow the guidelines of every spirit walker from the past. Like the chief, the spirit walkers do everything for the benefit of the people that follow them. But in the land of the Nar, it was different. As the old leaders began to fade away, a vote would be held by the people for a new leader. The votes of everyone of age counted. As time went on, the role of leadership stuck close to the Lila family and their direct associates as they were the only ones with experience. Their histories were never passed on, but the rumors of corruption and evil deeds grew from cycle to cycle. Soon the clans learned of each other. The Sunja and the Alishar were happy to find that there were others like them and quickly developed a close friendship that would weather the storms of time. The Nar stumbled upon the others in an attempt to spread their land, and the Wyman in their stubbornness held fast and would not let anyone who was not of Wyman blood enter their lands. War broke out between the Nar, the Wyman, and the alliance of the Sunja and Alishar. Many died over simple land squabbles until finally the Alishar chief Mariel of the Storm brought forth a peace treaty. It's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot here. <laughs> the land would be split between the four and no one else would die over such small issues. Mariel and the Sunja chief Heavy Rain believed that the four clans could live in harmony as they had done on their own for so many years. The war soon ended and the four opened up peaceful trade. This was yet another era, one of peace and cooperation. But the Nar always wanted more. Further down the line, the new leader, Zain Lila, as his family had held the clan for so long, declared the Lila family would be the ones, the only ones who could continue to lead the clan to glory. The Nar rejected their god Nal and followed the Lila family as their new gods. The leadership of the Nar would be passed down through the Lila family until this new era, the era of the Fallen Kings, ended. <sighs> Still more. As I said before, soon the Nar spread out and tried to drive the other clans from their lands. They wanted to conquer the world and spread their power. So the other clans left to the lands that you find them in now. Finally, our current era, the Era of Snow, came and changed the world more than any of the other eras before them. I, like all of the Alishar chiefs before me, went through the training and participated in the trials. In becoming chief, I washed all of the markings of my family from my face and my arms and scored the symbol of Elash on my forehead. 
This symbolizes that I follow the way of a lash, the ways that a lash has taught us through the spirit walkers, something like that. In the south, <laughs> our oh my gosh, almost done with this part. I wrote way too much. I'm sorry. No, in it's fine. South, I mean, it's good. Like I understand <laughs> what you mean. It is like a good. It's good. In the south are our close allies, the Sunja, currently led by twins, Flowing River and Deep Snow. As much as I have tried, we have barely heard from Wolf, the Wyman leader. But soon to face the threat of these blue crystal monsters, we will need an answer from them. And that is my third part. I wrote way too much. I mean, so, like, there's a couple, like, little, like, subtle things that I wanted to throw in there that, like, yes, I'm going to explain it now because I'm not just directly reading a script. So I wanted to kind of, with the names, like, create a separation between the um, four clans. So, like, the um, Alishar, their names, like, as w- will be a name, like, Lucia of the Sun, and, like, Alexei or Marielle, and then there's the blank after it. So, like, Lucia of the blank, um, Alexei of the snow. And then, like, before the, um, for the Sunja, I wanted to, like, have a, like, an adjective and then a noun. So, like, f- well, yeah, flowing river, adverb, whatever, flowing river, deep snow, that stuff. Yeah, and then for, And then for the um, Wyman, because they are supposed to be strong, I wanted to, like, create, like, strong-sounding names, like Roke and Wolf and Solanus, like, things that, like, incite power, and then, like, the Lila family, like, you know, some, some, like, almost, like, elves, like, the uppity-type-sounding names, almost. (laughs) But, yeah, and then, like, I also had, like, the small part, like, where clearly, like, the clan of the Alishar, like, they have, the like, family markings and tattoos on their face, and, yeah. like, becoming the chief, you have to wash that off and dedicate your life specifically to the god of Lash. And I also, like, subtly kind of dropped in that the spirit walkers also do that type of thing where they dedicate their bodies and souls to Alash, the god. Yeah, no, that was that was a nice touch. So, so, I got that, yeah. So, so, I, so I wanted to, like, create, like, a diff- like, subtly create a difference without in the story directly saying that. Yeah. <sighs> Wrote way too much. Okay. All right, you ready for my much shorter section? <laughs> yes, Cody. I went way too overboard with this. Uh, this one's a little long. That's fine. Please break up the monotony. What is history to the infinite, untouched cold of snow? But yet the primordial concept of a bleached white abyss was present. That was Winter Wonderland. But as thought grew in other planes, so did Winter Wonderland. It started small, the concept of the beauty of the frozen dead forest at first, when the earliest human told stories of evil creatures in the long cold to make their cubs behave and obey. These dark and evil times saw Winter Wonderland, uh, saw a winter wonderland of paranoia and dread, starvation and soiled crops and quiet. No more would the forest be a life-giving sanctuary, but rather a graveyard of once verdant food and flowing water. But the stories in the other plains grew and grew. Mm, but the story, I wrote this really weird, but sorry. Yeah, I can tell. I've done but that the before. stories in the other planes grew stories of fire to keep the cold at bay and celebrations of stored food and long slumber, times of merriment and the lust for companionable warmth. The Winter Wonderland took on 
another diametric facet, that of warmth in cold. But myth of the long winter sowed the seeds of a very different winter wonderland. (laughs) The evil witches of the dark forest, the mighty gods on hunt, evil fairy demons that hunt children. The stories of the more physical worlds created nightmares and wonders alike. We could not even imagine what Winter Wonderland would become. Villages now populated villages now populated the Winter Wonderland in celebration and fear of cold attacks from fairy t- from fairy story creatures. The blasting horns of the All-Father marked the nightly hunt for human and beast alike. <laughs> Chains rattled and bright fires tried to hold all of these supernatural perils at bay. And what can we make of this? Our winter wonderland shifts and grows without warning, the uh, geography shifting like sand as new mountains and new lords rise, and new horrors await in the long, cold dark. Man is fickle, and so is his faith, and so is winter wonderland. The idea here is that, like, um, Winter Wonderland grew with the mythology around winter. So, um, like, at first it was just, like, an empty void, like, this just primordial concept of cold. And then that grew to it being about a cold forest, like, about the uh, trials that winter can bring when suddenly, like, there isn't just food growing on trees and stuff, you know? But as societies grew to meet those challenges, Winter Wonderland changed um, to, like, a place of, like, celebrations. And, sure, winter's cold, but we've stored up food. We're happy. It's fine. And then the um, creation of mythological winter horrors is where, like, it Winter Wonderland just goes bananas. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, all these horrible nightmare stories that are told to children just become a reality in Winter Wonderland. This kind of reminds me, it's not the same, but it kind of reminds me of, like, your eldritch horror world, where it's like, yeah, the stories of, oh, Mr. Bag and Bones will come and, like, eat yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of that. But I, I like the idea of it where, it like, it's... Starts as one thing that it turns into like the how the Grinch stole Christmas type world where it's like the who's the who villain, everybody's happy and singing, and it suddenly just gets overrun by just winter eldritch beasts, just like yeah. we own the night now. And I like that, and that's beautiful. And I just I'm like really the idea of like it. a wintry all father just like storming in and decapitating people in a village. Like, oh no, <laughs> why do people keep making this crap up about winter? I, I am the father of cold, and I bring death. I love it. I really like it a lot. So, um, here is my final part. I'm not apologizing this time. No, I am proud of what I did. How how long is your final part? Oh, it's just one page. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, My yeah, no. parts like, like one page. It went two pages, one page, two pages, one. So, you know, A, B, A, B, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is music, apparently. All right, so the blue crystalline creatures have been sighted more recently, but I faced the nightmare up close not too long ago. Me and a contingent of spirit walkers traveled south for the wedding of my dear childhood friend, Solaris of the Bone and Broken Sand of the Sunja. The union was special because of both of their statuses in the clans. The wedding was beautiful. It was a joyful time, and then we heard a deafening screech. 
The blue crystalline creatures attacked us so fast without warning that we barely had time to react. I watched as Solaris's father, Magnus of the Bone, was cut down, and many others fell to their crystalline claws. The attack seemed coordinated. Those monsters came after me directly, but together with the twin chiefs of the Sunja, we cut one of them down and were able to escape with many survivors. The spirit walkers from both clans have been studying the body of the creature, but we have no clue what they are and how they are created. They are all different sizes and builds. Some seem to be smarter than others. The rumors going around the clans is that these are the corrupted souls of the Nar people, but there is no way to be sure. These creatures have put the clans into high alert. The once peaceful, quiet lifestyle has become stressful as people fear an attack from these monsters. Hunting parties come in at an earlier time for fear of being attacked in the dark. Talks of walls and thicker night watches have spread through both the Sunja and Alishar territories. As the youngest chief in the histories, pressure has been put on me to fix this problem. There have been whispers saying that I can't do this and maybe I'm too young to be chief, but I must be strong and push forward. The spirit walkers believe that I can do this and have been working to put the people's minds at ease. The Alliance of the Sunja has helped as the Twin Chiefs support me fully and their bright presence and humor is more than welcomed in the Alishar lands. Together with the Sunja, we have been working hard to find the source of these beasts and then something unexpected happened. The Alishar main camp was approached by a group of Y-men led by Chief Wolf. They were carrying the broken body of a large crystalline beast. This one looked more reptilian than the others we have seen. None of us quite know what this means. But then Wolf approached me and said, We of the Wyman don't depend on others. We are made by our own strength. But this is a new problem. We found them burrowing into our kingdom. They are not safe with this threat around. We do not want them to come into our land and hurt our children. This is a problem for all clans. We must work together. And with that, for the first time ever, the Wyman, Sunja, and Alishar are working together. We need to get to the source of these, and I have a sickening feeling that I know where they come from. The Forbidden Lands of the Nar. I believe we must go to the Twisted Crown of the Ice Palace. It will be a dangerous trip, but one that I believe is a necessity. Though the people have doubted me, though there are whispers about my leadership and the threats of, of challenge, the Twin Chiefs, Deep Snow and Flowing River, and the Chief of Iron, Wolf, have given me full support to lead the Alliance. Wolf grants his people strength, the Twins grant their skills in exploring, sorry, skills with exploring, and I bring the Alishar survival spirit and my leadership. We shall get to the bottom of this mystery, but with the doubt of the people, I fear that there are some dark workings in the shadows, but I will do anything for my people, even if they doubt me. I carry the pride and honor of the Alishar on my back. I shall not cower in fear in my journey to the Crystal Palace. And that is my last part of this very, very long world. I like that you didn't end it. I like that it's like a cliffhanger, you know? I I like the idea of creating the mystery and not defining it like I usually do. I like yeah. that, okay, these crystalline beasts come from something. What is in the um, Nar territory? I don't know. It's for you to figure out. Yeah. Um, I, I, no, I like to create just leaving it open ending in it because i always like have this idea of what i want the story to be but this time i just decided to let go and just like i'll create a setup for a story that can happen in it and there 
Yeah, no, I, I actually really, I really appreciate that that you didn't, uh, that you didn't finish it. You know, yeah, it only took me ninety worlds to get here. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's fun, because you get to kind of imagine, you know, it's like it's a really good hook, like the young chief going off to prove, to prove that they can do this, you know, and yeah, but no one knows what's going to be found. It's you know, yeah, I like that. I. I really don't even know. <laughs> We might we might explore it if we ever do story worlds again. Anyway, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. No, yeah. I I really like that. Thank you. That was I, that I was a solid that. end. All Thank right, here we know. go. Current society. Woo! Let's a do war it. now plagues our land. A new color made its mark. Red and deep ruby. What? I that kind of was a red and deep ruby. Red the red of blood. Wow. <laughs> you were really that was supposed about the color to say, red there, huh? Deep and ruby red, the red of blood and cheeks flushed with drink. The hammering clink and rattle and repeated slave song as the small and disfigured grew to life from a metaphor. Here is a man that has no time to bi- that has no time but to build and give. A love martyr forced into servitude, giving gifts to all but at a cost of sanity and possibility. Santa Claus, a new force, neither good nor bad, (laughs) delivers gifts and judgment from all across the land, but he is not the only one. Santa Claus, fat and manic, is the best nocturnal visitor in red, but there are others. The hard-judging Saint Nicholas... A patron to good children and orphans, yes, but bringing divine judgment to the unworthy. Worse still, the Weinachtsman and his demon companion, yes, the Lord of Winter Beast Krampus himself. They travel together, bringing bitter sweets to the good children, and torture and death to the wicked, the death of claw and fang, breaking bones and hungry monsters. The snow is painted and melting under a warm, bloody blanket. But who reigns now? It depends on who you ask. What is the king of Christmas? Currently, Santa Claus is spreading his consuming will the furthest. Never sleeping, never stopping, he grows in power. But each village that falls under his control rejoices for a time. Santa Claus is a fairer king of Christmas, it would seem. Less cruel, less judgmental. But after time flows down the river to a later now, villages and homes are made hollow, for ceaseless blessing creates ceaseless appetite. So now here we sit, the people of Winter Wonderland, the frozen and starved witnesses to the mania of winter, that long, cold death that yearns for spring that never comes. We sit vigil and wait, All while the cold presses in, making us huddle for warmth and pray for new lords of winter, for sanity and for the fire to burn ever bright. One more dry log, one more sack of grain, one more trapped rabbit. Dude, I like that. So one thing, I know this is completely stupid what I'm about to say, but you know... Um, you hated this movie, um, Godzilla King of Monsters, but you know that scene where Ghidorah and Godzilla like charge at each other, like it's a slow walk into the speed and they like clash. That's just yeah. what I imagine Santa Claus and Kramp is doing. It's like douche, 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 dou
That's just I, I had that image in my head and I almost burst out laughing. But I'm like, I don't want you to think I'm laughing at you. I'm, th- I'm just dumb. <laughs> you know, it's okay. My world was kind of goofy in a way. This I know. I really like that. I, I like uh, you bring whimsy to this show. I only bring like super detailed works. <laughs> I feel like I nailed some evocative evocative imagery with this one like it being weird sure but like we sit vigil and wait all the while cold presses all the while cold presses us in makes us huddle for warmth and pray for new lords of winter for sanity for the fire to burn ever bright one more dry log one more sack of dry grain and one more trapped rabbit like i i like that that to me was well yes Cody, you're a good writer yes thank you but I mean, everything around it was bonkers that, that is the thing about the christmas tree i, mean, that, I was, that, like, that pretty part was of. written really well like you you're a good writer so you know, um yeah that and the the corpse of nature partially animated with sips of tepid water reminding us folks yeah yeah but it's like, the way you said that it was like you just hate christmas fire. trees <laughs> like the way you wrote that it's like it sounds like you hate christmas trees <laughs> it's so it's so bleak yeah, i like, like wrote that and just started laughing <laughs> that's what i said partially like, animated bro, with sips of tepid water it's just so sad yeah it's like Dude, Christmas is supposed to be a happy time. Like, <laughs> the trees are depressed because you cut them down and stick them, and then they die slowly. That's what Christmas is: is dying pine. Trees. No, it's partially animating a corpse. Okay. that's yes, that's I mean, what I much. said. Okay, it's my turn to roll. I have the chart up. I'm rolling. Uh oh, I, I crit failed. Florida Man World. Yes. So we're back yes! to Goofy again. <laughs> Goofy series. Goofy. <laughs> Oh my god! This is going to be like right along the lines of my Atlaw, Alabama, my flavor town world, where it's just going to be this bonkers, just what in the world is happening here world. Oh, I'm so excited. I don't even know what that means, but I'm already excited. For, it's whatever, whatever you think of when you think Florida. To me, it's alligator. Oh my god, the alligator is the mayor. Okay. <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I'm, I'm excited. For, I hate roll. I hate the that fails. But this is going to be such a the alligator's bonkers. not the mayor Jordan. He's the marigator. The marigator. <laughs> oh lord! The marigator sounds like a deer alligator mix. Marigator. <laughs> oh, wait, that was bad. Okay. Anyway, Cody, please close. What? Do you oh, mean a ma- horse? yeah, ma- mares are horses. Wow, that was dumb. Mares are horses. I was thinking doe for some reason and buck. What is happening here? Well, I didn't say a doe-a-gator. Doe-a-gator. <laughs> that's, that, sounds, that sounds like an appliance of some sort. The doe-a-gator 18. <laughs> Anyways, Cody, close us out. What have you, oh, sorry, not what have you been doing. What do you have to plug? <laughs> uh, check me out at the Wandering Gamer Network, anywhere where you check out things. So if it's I go to Pornhub and ty- if I go to Pornhub and type in the Wandering Gamer Network, will it show up? Don't test that. <laughs> I mean, let, I'm let our fans test that for us. Oh my no, god! Hang should, on, hang on. Oh my hang god! On, you should on. upload Wandering Gamer Network to Pornhub. That no, I just want to know if there's if there's something. I just want to know what I find on Pornhub when I search <laughs> Wandering Gamer Network. Oh god! I'm only keeping the show going just so I can know for the, the audience. Well, not just boring stuff. I mean, basically, it just pulls in gamer, so it's uh, exactly what you would think if you search gamer uh, on Pornhub. Anyway, that's an eye roll. Anyway, but seriously, just uh, <laughs> your face, your face is perfect. I'm w- 
wish this was a live episode because your face is the funniest thing that you've ever, uh, funniest face you ever made on this. This is like the, oh, oh God. It's just like there's oh, a lot God. of things that make sense and then there's one thing that doesn't. You know we'll what I mean? We'll, we're not putting that on the show. <laughs> Anyways, you can find me at the Side Characters Podcast, my second podcast where we talk about diversity cultural diversity in nerd culture. So by the time this comes out, the inclusion episode will be out. And then also our episode about female, actually, no, this episode comes out next week. So yeah, inclusion episodes out, <laughs> but the episode that's coming out next will be about um, female armor and female costuming and video games and how it can be pretty freaking bad. But anyways, this has been a fun show. I wrote way too much but I really have a fun time doing it. So thank y'all for listening. We'll catch y'all on the flip side. Bye. Bye.